Hi, I'm Alan Hill, the nostalgic vagabond. I lived out of a backpack for many years during my 20s and some 30s. I'm less of a nomad these days. In this podcast series, I'm catching up with old friends, wonderful people I've met in the Traveller's Trek. And what better time is there to catch up, reminisce, and see how everyone is getting on in 2020? I hope you enjoy hearing about our journeys as much as we've enjoyed sharing. Travel doesn't always go to plan. In my days backpacking, I found myself on many occasions having to improvise, make contingencies, rely on my plan B, sometimes my plan C. But this is part of the experience, and surviving these ordeals helps to build confidence, for life in general too. In these corona times, the probability of travel plans going, let's say, tits up, is perhaps at a peak, and definitely closer to one. On this podcast episode, I'm chatting with Clay Petrocci. We're on Zoom, but only about a mile away. Clay's in town, down the hill. In a normal world, we could have done this face-to-face, but, you know, lockdown restrictions. This is the best we can do. No mixing households. Clay chats about his recent, somewhat bizarre trip to Korea that actually landed him in Aruba. Clay gives us a humble account of his other experiences in Italy, Dubai, and Lebanon. The hilarious thing is the connection on this occasion, even though I was just a mile away, was so bad. I've zoomed to the other side of the world and had better connection. I've done my best in post to edit out the glitches from the poor signal. But, you know, sometimes podcast recordings don't go to plan. Clay, zooming in from about one mile down the hill, how are you? Good, good. Everything is very good. Amazing. Yeah. The funny thing with you, Clay, is... I tried to do a Zoom podcast with you in the middle of the lockdown, but on the day that I was wanting to do that, all of my electricity stopped working for some strange reason, so I had to cancel that appointment with you. And then what happened was you were going off to South Korea, so I thought, oh, that could be quite a nice anecdote to use for the episode. And then turned out that you're not in South Korea, you're back in Liverpool, and you're zooming in yeah. from your bathroom about one mile down the hill in the city centre. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Can you explain to me or tell me what the hell happened with that whole South Korea odyssey? Yeah, of course. So I was really going to study for three months in Korea. I was going to study Korean and eventually maybe to teach English in Korea at some point. But because of the lockdown, they put uh, the Janine visa for the Dutch nationals, and they didn't know that. The minute I was at the airport, they were like, no, you need a visa to go to Korea. Yeah, I ended up never going, but I'm going to go back. (laughs) (sighs) Lost the signal. Unbelievable. Hang on. One sec. We're back. Okay, sorry, man. I don't know what happened then, but I think it was partly my issue. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if it's mine. I'm not sure. Do you want to continue with the story yeah, sure. um, about South Korea? You were supposed to go to South Korea to teach English, and then when you got to the airport, you discovered you needed some special visa because of COVID? No, no, no. I was actually going to study Korean. And then when I reached at the airport, they were like, yeah, you, you need a visa to South Korea. 
I didn't know that because I called it Dutch Embassy and they were like, no, you don't need a visa. And I thought everything was going to be fine. But yeah, it didn't go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened? So basically, in my head, because I'm from Amsterdam, I was born in Amsterdam, and I was like, oh, it's a Brexit thing. If they don't let like people that are from Europe go. It was a great year because it was a connector flight to, to Munich and from Munich to Korea. So I thought it was a great year to take the plane to Munich and try to enter Korea from Munich. But then the next flight I bought was connector flight from Palma de Mallorca. So I waited one day. The next when I was going to fly to, to Munich, already in Mallorca, they were like, actually, you cannot go to Korea because you need a visa. Oh, no. So I missed that flight. So I ended up staying in Mallorca three days, which was amazing. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I was in Mallorca, I was thinking, what, what am I going to do? Because I had three months off on holiday from work. I was going to go to Italy because it was the only country at the moment that you didn't need to like isolate for 15 days. But given that I was in Mallorca, Mallorca was part from Spain, they were going to do like a big issue with, oh, you're in space, you have to isolate. I thought it was going to go anyways. I don't know what happened with the flight. I was early and then when I arrived, something was wrong with my luggage. And due to that, I missed my flight. It was a whole issue. They were like, no, we can give you the money for the luggage back, but if we don't give you the flight, you have to buy a new one for 100 euros. I was like, I paid 60 euros for my flight, not 100. So I said, um, I'll figure something out. So I was like, no, I'm not going to stay here like, like a week. Um, my friend called me this year. She was like, the more you stay in Spain, the more annoying people will be because Spain was at high risk of coronavirus at this time. And it was in Mallorca, which was an island that belonged to Spain, but it was still going to be a nice. So I decided to go back home to Aruba. It just came out of my head, like, I'll just go home. <laughs> and then I was a spontaneous decision. <laughs> I called my mom that I said, Mom, I'm in Aruba tomorrow. She was like, oh, oh, okay, I'm going to start cleaning the house then. I'm like, yeah, you better because I'm coming tomorrow. I'm arriving. <laughs> she was so happy. She was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm going to cook this. I'm going to cook that. It's not necessary. Just know that I'm arriving tomorrow. She was so happy. And when I arrived, it was funny. No one expected it. So I'm like, yes, I'm here. She's like, what? Here. <laughs> the most spontaneous decision I've ever made like that very quickly. Yeah. What I'm understanding is you actually never made it to South Korea. Yeah, I never made it. <laughs> I actually never made it. It was a bit disappointing because I, uh, I had everything prepared. I had the university was ready. I had the stay ready. Everything was already paid for. But I never made it, which was a bit disappointing. But at the end of the time, I got to visit home because of that. So, yeah, plan to go next year, depending on the situation. Uh, yeah, hopefully I can go through next year. <laughs> so you ended up going back to Aruba to visit your mum for some time, and then you've come straight back to the UK, back to Liverpool, which is where you started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had to isolate for 15 days. Wow, what a crazy adventure. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you're not expecting these things to happen. I prepared for quite a while to go to Korea, but 
you have to think these things happen even if you're not expecting it. And because I did three months off, I was like, but the best decision was like to go to Aruba to visit my family because God knows when I'm going back again, especially with the current situation of the corona. Mm. So I thought it was a good idea to take this opportunity to actually visit my family. Because they always ask, when are you coming? When are you coming? I'm sure I'm always going elsewhere. So sometimes, good, it makes you make good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so you took the opportunity while you were based on Mallorca to go to Aruba to visit your family. I imagine you spent quite a number of years there growing up. Is that right? Yeah, I spent uh, time in Curacao, which is the island. They call it the sister island of Aruba. And you also grew up in Aruba. It's similar. They have the same language, bit of a different words here and there, but quite similar. I get asked this question all the time, being from Australia and living in the UK. People always say to me, why the hell did you come to the UK? Because you've <laughs> just left a paradise. Do you ever get asked this kind of question? All the time. Why did you leave, like, paradise to go live in the UK where it rains a lot and the weather isn't that great? <laughs> All the time. So what's your answer for that? I wanted to, to study, actually. I finished uh, university as a chef and I wanted to finish my studies in culinary art. Initially, I never wanted to come to Europe. Because it's a thing, when you're born in Aruba or in the, the Netherlands, and Italians like Curacao or Bonaire, you have a Dutch passport. All the students, their, their first thought is to go to Amsterdam. I was born in Amsterdam, so for me, I grew up till I was deaf. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it too much. It wasn't bad, it wasn't amazing. And I didn't really want to go back, I've already been there. So I wanted to study in America, specifically New York City. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think because of the city, because of the propaganda on TV, I wanted to go to New York. Uh, when I saw how much I had to pay and uh, that because you need a student visa, I thought mm, it's kind of difficult. So my friend was in England at the moment. I thought like, where did you go to England? It's Europe, you can work there, you're European. It's going to be much easier to study and work at the same time. Mm. I was like, yeah, sounds cool. In my head, because I was going to stay with her for a while, she lived in London for some reason. I I thought she lived in London. So when I arrived in Liverpool, you know, when you're traveling, you don't really, you just go with the flows. You just go. And I thought I arrived in London. So when people started to speak, I was like, where are we? I'm Germany now. She's like, no, we're in England. I was like, what language do they speak? They're like, English. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand anything. At this point, I was totally like disorientated. I was like, I can't live here because I'm not understanding anything. And she was speaking for me most of the time when we were trying to get a job and stuff like that <laughs> for the university. It felt weird. didn't feel like I came to a place where I felt comfortable at that particular time because I felt like there was a language barrier. I didn't understand too much. That was so weird, but yeah, I I think I got used to it. (laughs) Yeah, was that the first time you had big language issues? Because you speak quite a few languages, don't you, Clay? Yeah, I I wasn't expecting it, I think, mostly. It was the first time that, you know, when you go to an English-speaking country, you expect that you're going to understand everything perfectly. So at that time, I wasn't expecting it. For me, it, it seemed to be worse than it was at that time. But I think it's just like, you know, a culture shock in the beginning, mm. you know, when you're not expecting it. So you're like, oh, this is totally an alien language. 
Well, it's now when I think back, I was like, how did I not understand it completely? <laughs> it isn't that much of it. It is different. There's certain words, but not the whole language. Why was it so strange for me? I think it's just when you're not expecting something, it sounds even worse or you just, you know, you get nervous. You're like, oh, I definitely don't understand this. Well, it's not really that bad. <laughs> Is there anything about Aruba that you miss? This, you know, during Christmas season, it's different here compared to Aruba. In general, also, like, people are more family-orientated, I think. This is, for me, the difference. When my mama cooks, because my sister and my brother don't live in Aruba. When I was living there, she was in Amsterdam. So it was just me, my mom, and my dad. You know, it's really family. People come and bring, like, a rice or arepas. Do you want a bit of juice? Do you want this? And during Christmas, it's different. People go to houses. People, not everyone don't really know, but people that live in the same street come, oh, do you want this? I have this bottle of wine. Which here is not exactly the same. It's everyone their own, you know. It's a bit different in a sense. I think it's a hard country. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I always feel like more togetherness, even if you really know the person that much. It's all about eating together or do something together or give someone sugar. It's normal to go to your neighbor and if you don't have sugar, eat. <laughs> it's very normal. The neighbor come and ask, do you have flour or do you have a bit of it? So here, if you don't have it, you just have to go to Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> It's just different, you know. Yeah. Different cultures, eh? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And speaking of different cultures, you've got some stories. You've been to lots of different countries in your time. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, have you been to any places on your travels where people have treated you like a local when you've been a visitor? They've just assumed that you were a local person. Have you had any experience like that before? Yes, I always, when I go to like some Arabic countries, I've been to Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and Lebanon, and they usually think I'm from Egypt. So I don't know, I guess I look Egyptian to them. I see. Going to, um, for example, like Dubai, they thought I was from Egypt. So people automatically spoke Arabic to me, and by that time, my understanding of Arabic was very little. <laughs> <laughs> And like in Dubai specifically, people don't like, um, they're not really fond of having Egyptians come to the country because they just come to work and body, body, body. So it wasn't really a great <laughs> looking like an Egyptian at this time because they thought I was, oh, he's like an Egyptian, he comes to work here. So you don't get the, the tourist treatment. You know, when you're a tourist, everyone's happy to see a foreigner and it's amazing. No, it wasn't like that. They were like, you're like Egyptian, oh, bloody, bloody, blah. They were speaking Arabic and it was like, it was difficult because sometimes you don't even know if the answer is Arabic because they could say a few words. But then they would start to think that you're more a foreigner. So they'll start speaking more Arabic and I was like, oh no. It was very confusing. There was this time when I was trying to catch the bus in Dubai to go to Oman. I was completely alone, was traveling alone at the time, and I didn't know that everything was written in Arabic. Yeah. So I was wondering about, and then I asked the, the guy behind the bus, where did I think for the bus? He started shouting, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, clueless of what was happening. <laughs> and then 
I was like, sorry, what's going on? I, I just want an hour to catch the bus to go to Amalit. And then he started thinking, like, this is Deerham. You don't know what Deerham is? So I guess he was thinking I should know how to tell him this much because I'm Egyptian. The minute I put my passport because I'm Dutch on the, on the counter and he looked at it, Welcome to Dubai. You're looking for the bus to go to the place. I'm like, but I was like, wow, that's a change. I was completely like confused and said, you look like Egyptian. You look Egyptian. I was like, oh, okay. okay. I, at that time, also didn't know that like some countries don't like other countries from the same, like in Dubai, that the Egyptians weren't well seen. And I didn't know that at that time either. So I wasn't understanding why people were like this to me. It's for me, it's a good experience because you get to learn what other people feel like being as a foreigner, like from the same country, because you say like, oh, people from Egypt, they're Arabs, people from Dubai, they're Arabs, so they get off. No, it's not always like the experience, also what they feel like, you know, as someone from Egypt, let's say. I've had a, an experience similar, not so confusing. I was in Copenhagen once and I was just looking at a newspaper and, well, I couldn't read it because it was in Danish, but I was just looking at the characters and two ladies came up to me and asked me something in Danish. I think they wanted to know directions or something because they might have been from another part of the country. And they just spoke to me for about a minute in Danish. And I just shrugged my shoulders and thought, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You know, in places like Scandinavia and, and most of Europe, often people will talk to you in English straight away because mm. most people in Europe speak English. But on this occasion, they assumed I was a local. And I guess I do look a little bit Scandinavian. I don't know. What do you think, Clay? But actually, when I first saw you, I thought you were from America. <laughs> America? <laughs> that was my thought. <laughs> because of my look or because of my accent or, or both? It's a mixture because I'm, I didn't have a lot of knowledge from the accent from Australia, but the Australian accent has a little bit mm. of American in it. So the look and then the the accent together, I was like, oh, it's from America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, my accent is a bit confused now than what it used to be about 10 years ago because I've been traveling around the place for the last decade. My accent has evolved a little bit, so it's a bit less Australian now than it once was. I often get people confused about sort of trying to pick exactly where I'm from. Yeah. And I used to live in a, in I used to live in America and I used to live in Canada too, so I can understand why people sometimes might hear some small inflections and yeah. small sounds and be confused by that. So you're definitely not the first person. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. I have this memory of you, Clay. Uh we were having a cup of tea and coffee uh one morning with Christina and Ramona. I have this vision of us walking through the city center mm. and you standing behind us a few paces doing stuff on your phone. And it turned out that you were just buying a flight, just <laughs> randomly bought a flight to go to Italy. Yeah, a good memory. <laughs> and, uh, I thought it was quite a spontaneous thing to do. Are you often spontaneous in this way? When it comes to traveling, sometimes in life, yes, I can be very spontaneous. I like to be organized, but I don't know what goes through me sometimes. I can be quite spontaneous. The flight that I bought to Korea... No, it, I had it in the back of my mind. It wasn't organized. And one day, just like, I'm going. <laughs> That's, uh, it can be quite spontaneous sometimes. Yeah, it's very spontaneous sometimes. <laughs>
Yeah, you're quite a free spirit, aren't you, Clay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, it, I don't know what gets into me. Sometimes I'm like, I just wake up and like, I want to go to London or I want to go to Manchester. Sometimes I don't know what gets into me. Yeah. And you often go solo, right, Clay? You're not afraid to go places on your own, but you're also happy to meet up with travellers or are you happy to travel with friends as well? Um, it depends, really. Like, honestly, I like travelling with friends because, like, for example, Christina is very organised and she likes to organise her travels and stuff like that. So I know when I travel to, with her, mm. I don't have to do that much organisation. <laughs> <laughs> she, she likes doing it anyway. And she, sometimes I like to go alone because, like, when I was in Aruba, it takes time, like, it was taking time for me to travel to go abroad because I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm alone, I won't be able to make it, and then I was waiting for friends to go, and they never go. So I feel like you have to take that opportunity sometimes because if you're going to wait for someone else, so you can wait forever if you want to go with someone. Sometimes you have to take up on your own to do something, because otherwise you end up waiting and you know, never do something. It's the same with like a job or something else you want to do. If you're passionate about being a musician, if you want to do it, you sometimes need to do it. So that's why I'm a bit mixed. I like to organize a little bit. Sometimes I don't like to organize as well. Yeah. <laughs> but at least try to organize a little bit and then go just go for it. Even if you, if you don't know how you're going to end up. But I always encourage people to try anyway, because if you're going to not do it because you're scared or don't feel like you're always going to ask in the back of your head, like, what if I did? Exactly. <laughs> and maybe it could have come out great or bad. You don't know, but you have to try. So at least you say, oh, I tried. You might feel regretted for all your life. Yeah, indeed, not indeed. doing something. Can you recall, Clay, the most spontaneous thing you've ever done in terms of traveling? Yeah, I think the first time I traveled solo when I went to Italy was one of the spontaneous things I did. I went alone. I went before. I went with a group, with a capoeira group. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I liked it so much. But we didn't really have time because I was always attached to the group. So I just woke up one day and said, I'm, I'm going there. I didn't know anyone at this time. So I just went and I didn't book a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't book anything. And yeah, you know that I can't speak Italian. True. At this time, my Italian was really, really limited. I just went, I arrived at the airport. I didn't have a place to stay. So I was booking things now and then and there to my phone. <laughs> And then when I arrived at the hostel, I was staying, the lady didn't speak any English. And I was like, it was an elderly woman. And she was talking on the phone with her grandson. It was different. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, because it was my first time that I was alone to Italy and with a language barrier at this time, it wasn't very amazing. My Italian was quite bad. But it's an eye-opening experience too for me. You know, sometimes we don't understand the language entirely. You kind of depend, you have to believe in yourself. And your brain has to think like, oh, what comes next? What comes next? Yeah. And you're in a foreign country, you know, you're not entirely sure. But you have to always think that I was there and I was like, I have money. Uh, one thing I always go with is enough money, when you're, especially when you're a solo traveler. Mm. Have enough money, please. <laughs> 
sometimes, I'm not saying you have to have a great amount, but have enough money that they have a hustle or take like the train. I'm not saying you need to take like the most expensive train, like first class, <laughs> <laughs> like to take the bus, the regular bus. And it makes you, yeah, like believe that because they're going in a foreign country, you don't know what bus to take. And having just enough money to be able to take a bus, it makes you gonna have to do it because there's no other way. Mm. So you're gonna have to make yourself take a bus, look things up, and you'll get more smarter, you know, because for me, especially, not everyone is the same. For me, it was really hard to get up and go somewhere completely alien. For me, it was all like very nerve-wracking. Travel alone. I was raised to be very organized and know what you're doing. And, you know, mm-hmm. have always someone with me that when you do the things on your own, you get like mature in a travel sense that, you know, there's always going to be a coffee shop. You're always going to find someone to help you ask and to ask. Not everyone's going to be nice, but and ask the next person or figure it out yourself. Yeah. I imagine, Clay, if you had not have gone to Italy that time on your own and had those language barriers and those challenging times, would you have ever learned Italian to the extent that you have the skill today? I don't think so. It, it was very interesting to be able to not connect because it makes you want to connect with someone because you, you want to have that connection. For me, it's really fascinating to be able to at least say a few basic words in the language so they can see you're trying to make an effort, you know. For me, it comes out of my own system of my brain. Oh, I want to say at least this phrase, where, how, or or like, how do I get lost? Or even if it's even just say hello in, in Italian and then say how, and in English, how do I get the good? <laughs> <laughs> it makes you want to connect to people makes you want to connect to people because you want to be able for them to understand you and them to understand you as well even if, if you know you know you have different cultural backgrounds but the basic thing is you know for me it's important to be able to try to learn at least some language or some culture even people will appreciate for, that you are trying even if you sometimes will look totally ridiculous <laughs> i agree it's good and when i came back from that trip in italy I was very fortunate that I met Ramona after that the true culture friend she lived with me from them. Mm-hmm. I was learning Italian because I felt like the last time I went to Italy it was I had like a few times that people didn't want to help me at all because I wasn't able to speak any Italian. And I felt like when I went there at that time it just wasn't what people are like in Italy. It's because of the language barrier. They don't speak Italian. It's more because the people who are in our south as well to try to speak it because they know they're not really good English speakers. They learn Italian even more and they try it back. Because my first experience was not bad, but it wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting it more like, you know, very Italian, very like amazing. And for me, it was more the first time I went alone was more like looking how, how do I do this? How do I get there? I didn't feel like, you know, understand the culture. I was trying to just get by. (laughs) It was a bit difficult the first time, but um, when I was able to speak Italian, and you can definitely, definitely see the difference. People are more willing to speak or open, you understand that better, you're able to feel the culture more, 
and because you understand me, everything was, it's strange to explain it this way, but it is what I felt during the time, the second time that I was able to speak Italian, that it, Italy was very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> it was very different. Sure. You're not the first guest on this podcast, Clay, to have the same opinions. I've had other guests say that if they speak the language and understand the language in the country that they're visiting, they've said that it can be a more enriching experience than if they could only converse in English or in very limited language. Yeah, it makes sense that the experience is, is more real and authentic if you can speak the local language. Definitely. It is. Like, in my country, we all speak English, but there we have certain words that we cannot translate to English. Mm. And if you make a joke in my language and somebody asks, can you translate it? I'm like, no, I can't, because it's specifically words that we have in our culture, in our way of being, that I can actually not translate this to English for you to actually <laughs> understand it completely. Even though we speak like English fluently, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right, Clay. Sometimes the context is very important there, and the context sometimes doesn't translate across language and culture, does it? Exactly. A question, Clay. I was wondering, do you think there is an ideal age range for people to go traveling and go on adventures? I mean, there is definitely a some point that you have to have a parent with you. But I have met people, because I started to travel when I was um, alone, about 21-ish, you could say. Mm -hmm. um, I started to live on my own, and then I started to travel on my own. But then I have met so many like people that started to travel when they were 18 by their own. And I'm like, I could never have done that. I didn't have the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. I do think you need to have a certain age to have a certain knowledge of what's going around you in a certain country. But I think once you're already, I don't know, 18 for a solo traveler, it should be possible. But yeah, you have to do your research, look if it's safe to be alone, you know, and stuff like that. But I think the earlier, the, the better, even if it's with your family. Mm. I think the younger the better. Yes, at a certain point you have to do it with family. In solo traveling, I think if you're 18 and you're courageous, you want to do it and you feel safe, I, I would say go for it. Why not? Clay, have you ever met a traveler somewhere on your journey that you particularly admired? And what was it about them that you admired? When I went to Lebanon, I met this guy that was from, um, he was from, Spain or he was from the, the Basque region. So he was traveling alone and we met in the, in the hostel in, in Lebanon. I had like a suitcase and he had like a backpack. And I was like, how long are you here for? It's like, I'm going to Lebanon for the week, then I'm going to this country, then I'm going to that country, then I'm going to this country. I was like, where is your luggage? It's like, I only travel with a backpack, with a t-shirt, some underwear, you know, the essential. Mm -hmm. I was like, how, how old are you? And he was like two years younger than me at the time. And I was like, I really admire that you only have a backpack. And because when I went to Lebanon, that was one of my travels that I had really prepared for. Because when I was saying that I'm going to Lebanon, 
and return to Liverpool. And people were saying, oh my God, Lapanen is not a good country, you're going to die, and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> I, ha- I was prepared, I had my suitcase, I prepared like a few months in advance, mentally, physically, and myself. And this guy was just there like, oh, I'm going to Lebanon, and after I'm going to this country, I'm going to this, and I'm like, what? And he didn't seem to be very much prepared. He was like very free in his mind. Mm. Didn't seem to have any worries, and it wasn't. I was coming back one week. <laughs> After that week, I was coming back to Liverpool. You know, you would just keep going, and I was like, "What?" And he was quite okay. He was fine. He even bought some really cheap clothes in some Arab market, which I don't know how he found it. Like I just by wandering around, you know, he found his way. So, mm. I mean, if he can do it. Someone else. I could have done it, but I didn't do it at the time. Fast five. Five quick fire questions require five quick fire answers. My guests must answer five random questions about traveling without thinking too much. Are you ready for the fast five? Ready, ready. <laughs> Question number one Suitcase or backpack? Suitcase. <laughs> how how uh, ironic. <laughs> Question number two. Left or right? Left. <laughs> Question number three. Mountains or beaches? Mountains. Question number four. Chain or independent? Uh, chain. And question number five. Sun or moon? Moon. Ah, very interesting. So, Claire, you just completed the fast five. Fast five. 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 What, in your experiences, are your top three places that you visited on your travels? The top three, I really like Lebanon a lot. was one of my favorite places I've been. I also really like Korea a lot. I know I live here at the minute, but I also really like Liverpool. <laughs> it's also one of my favorite places. And so I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it about Liverpool that you like? Do you know what? Once you leave, you always want to come back. And I think it's more about the people that are here. They're really friendly mm. compared to other cities in, in England. If I had to compare with London or Manchester, it has a lot of, like, you know, it, it, it has its own culture. It's music, people are playing on the street. There's always something to do. There's always an event going on. Liverpool is, and it's not a big city. It's quite small, but it's very, like the same Italian, Karina is very charismatic. Yeah. It has, it's, it's like a gem, you know? Mm-hmm. It has something that draws you and makes you want to stay. When you're traveling in all these different countries and experiencing all these different cultures, what do you think is the most common mm, entity that unites everybody on the planet? I feel like I've been, I've been to a few places, um, but what I see, like what people, what we all have in common is that like everyone wants to go forward in life, um, no matter the culture, the race, where you're from, everyone wants to go forward in life. And but obviously it's not the same for everyone whether they have a lot of money little money or you're in between 
but everyone makes their way and finds happiness in in what they have there because not everyone is the same mm. in having you know family having food together there are like people have the happiness no matter like how the culture is how much money they have we all have they all have the unity from eating together get to know people asking questions and trying to go forward in life i think that's what we all have the same because some people are considered poor and you can't go forward in life and yes you can go forward in life even if you don't have a lot of money working on a hobby you have even if it's like if you have a farm because my grandpa had a farm in amsterdam and he didn't live in the city so we didn't have much i didn't you know like the at that time because i was a bit younger i didn't like living in the countryside but he was happy with having his potatoes his things from the garden do you know he, there wasn't a lot of things to do that but he was happy in his own way with his stuff he was proud of cooking from his garden and mm. that's what made him happy and in each country there is something that makes people happy with the things they already have around them not specifically money so <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone is in the same way the way to get forward and to give to other people something that we own that we found nice and give away also knowledge from what they have it could be any knowledge you know whether it's um i know how to teach a language or some cultural stuff or whether it's planting in a farm or you know some knowledge from the city any little advice that is making someone else happy that's what everyone you know it's going to feel good because you feel like you're helping someone in anything really that you can help with mm. that's what we all connect to we all want to teach someone something to make them the greater life and we can pass it on to anyone to your family to your friends to someone you meet on the street to pass on something that can help someone else to good it doesn't matter from which country we come to that's what we all want and so we can feel that we have this something good in our life to you know to make the world better <laughs> nice do you have a particular piece of equipment that you like to take when you go traveling beyond having the important stuff which is like your money and all of those things i don't really have something exactly but i do have my bracelet which is on my wrist on the side it's uh, i got it when i was back in aruba It's like a Pandora bracelet. It's very cliche. <laughs> very cliche. You buy charms and put it in so you collect the charms. But mm-hmm. for me, it's not just having it uh, as like, oh, look, it's a bracelet. Look, my bracelet has more charms than yours. No, it reminds me of where I started um, before I was traveling. I got many gifts from people that were like really important. So the bracelet always when I see it it reminds me of where I where I started from zero and where I am now and some places have gone so one of the charms you might remind this occasion I got one charm and this charm remind, reminds me of the wedding we went at Angie in Italy so you should remind me <laughs> yeah yeah that's great yeah of course This is an amazing time you know, for me in my life when we went 
to MG's wedding because it was connected to a lot of people we met through Couchsurfing and we met you there as well. Mm-hmm. Going to a wedding in Italy for me was like something amazing, you know. Yeah, it was a good time. It was all foreigners and, you know, and us all together. So one of my charms reminds me of that moment. And for that, it's something really special to me. Yeah, it's like you're wearing your souvenirs on your wrist. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Clay, um, when you decide to go to a foreign place and decide to go to somewhere new specifically, what are the types of things that draw you to this destination? Is it the language and culture or is it the food or the landscapes, the party atmosphere or the adventure? When I first went to Dubai, I didn't go because I was immediately attracted to it. Like when I grew up as a young person, Arab culture always had for me in my head, especially when I was young in my country, because Aruba is a small island. So it's, I don't want to say it's not open-minded, but it wasn't very developed. So when I hear Arab country, we all think, Iraq, Bin Laden, war. (laughs) That's what comes to my head. So um, when I went there, it's for me to figure out really if if it's like that, because in each country people live and they must have normal lives, they must have a family, go to school. Um, I wasn't sure at the time. So I wanted to see whether what the media was portraying at that time was real. I see. The same with Italy. The people said, in Italy, people talk a lot with their hands. I think that's a joke. But when I arrived in Italy, it was real. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you go and you had always been like, oh, Arab countries are just war and it's, it's dangerous. And you always will believe it if you don't have the knowledge. So I figure out, I'll just go and see for myself. Mm. Um, that was when I went to Dubai. In, when I went to Korea, I, I liked K-pop music. And then once my friend went to Korea, and I was like, I'll go, because I really wanted to see if Korea was just only about K-pop music. No, it's not. It's very different also from China. It's not the same. <laughs> I was like, all these countries are very similar, you know. Yeah. But no, they have their own culture. They have their own alphabet. Mm-hmm. And these things attract me to figure out what people are saying are really true or realistic. Sometimes you just have to go and see for yourself. That's really nice, Clay. It seems to me that you're naturally a very curious person, which is a great attribute to have if you're a traveler. But it also seems to me that you travel to places sometimes to investigate stereotypes that you've heard from growing up in your cultures and you want to go and see for yourself if that is true or if that is false because you go there in person and you can see oh do italians really talk with their hands or are the people who live in south korea the same as people who live in china yes or no and you figure it out for yourself exactly yeah for me i think it's more about figuring out and checking it with culture why do people do certain things? You know, it it makes you understand. When you grow up, you're taught something. And if something someone does something this, you initially think, oh, that's wrong. Mm. But because the world is so diverse in different cultures, 
it's great to understand why people do certain things, even if it looks odd sometimes or strange or weird. Maybe it's just you don't understand why. <laughs> so it's great to investigate, like, why. After all this crazy COVID-19 bullshit is over, where are your future trips? Okay, I still fly to go to Korea. I thought Korea <laughs> would like, be the answer. <laughs> yes, I'm still going to go. I mean, it's not going to stop me. You know, I've not been, but I'm still going to go again. Do my best. <laughs> so you're going to replan this Korea trip and then go there to learn some Korean language? Definitely. I mean, meanwhile, I'm still trying to learn some Korean. Not every day is the same. I don't want to do it every day, but I still try to learn. Brilliant. So you've not been deterred by your failed South Korean COVID experience. You're going to try again. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> What's the point? It's not about like failing. It's about trying again, you know. <laughs> That's it's really good. Really, really uh, optimistic and really good personality trait, Clay. Even if you fail, you just try again. Absolutely. And the last question I have, Clay, is... This is a question I ask all the guests who come on the podcast. And mm -hmm. it's just about if you could offer any advice to travelers, perhaps people who've never traveled before or people who have traveled and are now obviously living in these weird COVID times. From your experiences, what kind of advice would you just want to give in general about traveling? Well, yeah, obviously you have to be a little bit open-minded, be open to your new experiences when you're going to a different country, because obviously it's not the same. It's nice to be able to try to understand a different culture if you travel. Have plan B. I know there are some people out there that like to travel and just go, but you need a plan B. I was super organized when the first time to travel, and I'm nothing against it, but Sometimes we need to tone it down a bit because otherwise you spend your whole life wasting organizing and figuring things out and all these things end up not going as you planned anyway. But be organized enough, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Try to be organized a little bit, but don't, you know, expect that everything is going according to plan because if something will happen, a plane will have a delay, you might have to, you know, he plans of having a crowd surfer and then end up that maybe he got sick or anything could happen. He needs to stay in a hospital. So have sufficient money or, you know, to have plan B. Always have in mind a plan B. Be nice to people. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to people. You know, if you go to a different country, always be nice. Even if the person is not nice. I went to Italy. I found people I was asking for direction, they just said no, they thought I was like a homeless or I don't even know, they just said no, I'm not going to help you. You know what, <laughs> just continue, yes, these things happen, you know, just be nice. Yeah, that's really good advice, Clay. Yeah, when I was traveling, I had this friend, I tried to buy nice clothes and, you know, look everything on sleek, like they say here in, in Liverpool, everything on the sleek because they have to look good. Try to look representable. In the, when I first went to Korea, I was looking on fleek. I went with new clothes. They were not expensive. They were from Primark. <laughs> but, you know, they were new. Yeah, you look good, and people treat you for some reason amazing when you look amazing. Because when I went to Korea, 
just remember Korea is having this K-pop trend, especially when I went. And it dressed up the part of like, oh, you look cool, you look amazing. And yes, I was doing it for, you know, attention. But in general, if you look a bit better, people will, you know, they'll start a conversation just because you look amazing or you you know, showered and you don't have to be trendy. When I went, I was over the top trendy, but if you look, you know, have a jeans that fit you nicely or a, a cute t-shirt, it doesn't have to be a Gucci product. If your t-shirt fits nicely and it smells nice, people are sometimes willing to start a conversation. And that in Korea is different because people in Korea are not like that approachable to foreigners and stuff like that. But the fact that you look amazing, you know, sometimes you're dancing in the club, some people approach. Because if you look crusty and if you look a bit awful, when I traveled, I realized, I think that day they said no to me in Italy, I wasn't wearing very amazing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the first person, Clay, to say advice like that. The way you look in your appearance does say something to the world about who you are definitely and if you're giving a good impression that can only benefit you if you're giving a bad impression that may not benefit you i'm saying this because i see people travel from like liverpool to spain and it's not really far but some girls go with their rollers in their hair and like dress up and like beat this i'm like oh my god girl no but anyway everyone off to their own <laughs> <laughs> oh that's classic all right, Clay. So I just wanted to say a really big thank you for your time and coming on the podcast and all your interesting answers to the questions and your interesting perspectives. So, yeah, and I hope once we're allowed to see each other again, when all this COVID bullshit is over, we might be able to finally meet again and actually hang out. <laughs> I know. Considering we only live one mile away from each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. My guest has been Clay Petrolci. There are more episodes in this podcast series where you can hear different stories from other travellers. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me at The Nostalgic V. Thanks to Tom Forfer for creating the soundtrack to the series. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time.